Thank you for being here on Commitment Sunday. It's super exciting for all these reasons. Every Sunday is exciting here, but uh, we still have a baptism coming up. We got lots of great stuff, but it's also exciting because we're starting a, a new series, a series titled Messenger. And th- this, this series, Messenger, is going to kind of bridge uh, October, November, and into December and kind of culminate in, at Christmas. And the three components of this series are, first of all, the prophet Malachi. The prophet Malachi is the last book of the Bible, of the Old Testament, sorry. Last book of the Old Testament. And for those of you that, that really love a book study and like going through a book, this is your jam. Uh, this is going to be great. Okay, we're going to be doing that. And then we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to do a, a single message on the 400 years of silence. Because after Malachi, after God spoke through Malachi, there was this time, this history, uh, this point in history where God went silent. And for around 400 years, he just didn't speak through his people at all. So what's that all about? Why did that happen? Was that significant in some way? What was going on in history? So we're going to spend a Sunday doing that. And then we're going to move into the first part of Matthew and the the components of angelic messages. Because all of a sudden, angels start showing up and talking about this this guy, John the Baptist, that he's going to be coming, and and he's coming before the Messiah. And so they've been waiting for the Messiah, and so he's he's on his way. And of course, at Christmas, we're going to celebrate the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior. But let's break down this, let's break this down a little further. So you, you'll see a map here next, and you'll see all the, or not a map, but a, a chart with all the books of the Bible in there, okay? And it's, it's separated into a first component, the law, the Pentateuch, or the Torah. These are the foundational five books of the Judeo-Christian faith. And, and then you move into kind of the history, and the history is kind of how, what happened in, in, throughout time and in the people of Israel and there's lots of wars and battles and miracles. Good reading. Good, good reading. Uh, Especially if you have three sons. And so lots of killing and lots of stuff, crazy stuff happening. And then you have the poetry and wisdom. And this is kind of our Psalms and Proverbs and Lamentation. A lot of that stuff, a lot of this stuff ends up in hymns and worship songs and stuff like that. A lot of content in there. It's very artistic. It's an artistic part of the Bible. And then we go into prophecy. And prophecy is broken down into the major prophets and the minor prophets. And at the very end of the minor prophets, written around 430, 433 BC, somewhere in there, was Malachi. And God chose Malachi and chose to speak through Malachi to, to give a message to Israel, and this is it. And Malachi, for whatever reason, he was chosen to be the last one, the last of, of, of the minor prophets, the last of the, the prophetic words. And then, as you can see, we go through uh, this section of God's silence. So there's kind of nothing happening, and, and the people of Israel are yearning to hear from God. They're yearning for the next prophet, and it just doesn't happen. But then all of a sudden, we get into the New Testament. We get into the Gospels. Now, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four Gospels are an account of what takes place with Jesus, before Jesus, during Jesus, and kind of his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all that stuff. And the, and the four Gospels are written in different ways. Moving from the back end, we have John. John was the latest Gospel, written in a very relational fashion really focusing on the relationship between Jesus and humanity. And if you have someone that doesn't know Jesus, hasn't grown up in church, really has, 
no kind of central point in Christianity whatsoever, John is an amazing book to get them to start with because it focuses on that relationship. Well, then moving on, then you have Luke. And Luke was a physician. He also wrote Acts, and he was the details guy. He focused very specifically on getting the chronological order and getting all the facts laid out. And it's a little bit longer gospel because he wanted to include the details. So if you're a detail person, that's Luke. Then you have Mark. Mark is the action gospel. It seems like if you read Mark, and if that's all you had, it would seem like Jesus goes from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. It's just action-packed. And it's a great book for children, or if you happen to be a youth pastor and you're kind of discipling 13-year-old boys, Mark can keep their attention a little bit better. It works well. Or maybe you have a short attention span, Mark's your gospel. That's great. Okay? But then you have Matthew. And Matthew is also a unique gospel because Matthew holds the most amount of content written for the Jewish people. And and Matthew focuses a lot on the areas where Jesus was fulfilling the greater story of the old covenant, bringing in the new covenant. So for us, that is why by the end of this series, once we talk about the 400 years of silence, we're going to look at what Matthew has to say about John the Baptist and about the coming Messiah. But maybe you're thinking, okay, why? What's the point of this series, Jeremy? Why bridge the Old and New Covenant? Why bridge the Old and New Testament? Why not just do a book study and then move to another book study and do that? Or, or wait a second, why don't we just concentrate on the epistles? Because the, the John, Paul's writing and, and the epistles, they were written to the church. Let's just focus all our time there. Why, you know, why do this? Well, it's because we need to understand that it's all part of a greater story. It's all part of a greater story that culminates with the gospel. Turn with me to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. And uh, if you'll see there, obviously it's the very end of the Old Testament. If you hit Matthew, you don't have to go far. Just go a little bit forward. You see the Old Testament there, the New Testament there. And, and chapter 4 is actually the last book or the last chapter of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4. Malachi 4, verse 4. Malachi writes this. And keep in mind, um, God is speaking through Malachi. He's a prophet. So this is actually God speaking through Malachi. That's why it... When he says, um, you know, I gave or I did, I said, it's God speaking. So we're clear on that. It says this, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember the law that I gave Moses. So this is the very end of the Old Testament. We're... we're We're like a couple verses off of the end of the Old Testament as a whole, and it says, remember the law given to Moses. And if you have a Bible app on your mobile device, or maybe you've got a study Bible, you might notice that there's an asterisk or a little footnote beside two words, one being Horeb and the other being Israel at the end of that verse. And one of the great parts, the great things about studying scripture and what we need to do when we're reading is, is if you see those asterisks, those footnotes and things like that, explore that. Go there. Because often theologians have placed them in to help us understand that people like Malachi were speaking to something greater. They were pointing back to something way bigger than what's just initially said. 
And so we're going to go there. So if, if you do have that, that asterisk by Horeb, a lot of times that in your Bible, it might point back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, way back to the Pentateuch, the, the, the law, the first books of the Bible. And we're going to be coming back to Malachi, so you may want to put a bookmark or something in there if you have it. And so that footnote, that horror points us all the way back to Exodus. Exodus 3, verses 1 and 2. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Okay, Moses burning bush. If you've been around church for a while, you might remember this, this story. So, you know, Moses is going up, the burning bush is there, and Moses is like, okay, wait, that's on fire, but it's, it's not burning. What's the deal with that? Well, as he gets close, for those of us uh, that have heard this story, that have read this story, this account, God speaks from the burning bush, and this is where God calls Moses to leadership. You see, at the same time as this bush is on fire, the nation of Israel is in bondage in Egypt. They are being whipped, beaten, killed, put to work, and they're in slavery. They're in bondage. And God has said, enough is enough. Moses, and out of the burning bush, he calls Moses to leadership, and he says, Moses, you're going to go down to Egypt, and you're going to walk into Pharaoh's courts, and you're going to say, I speak on behalf of God, and he says, let my people go. And from that, we have the story of the plagues, and that Pharaoh did not let the people go after some time. And a lot of terrible, terrible things had to happen to Egypt as a, as a nation in order that he would let them go. So Malachi at the end is pointing way back to a very beginning account. Interesting. Well, let's look at that other footnote. That other footnote in Malachi is right beside the word Israel. And if you look at that footnote, it points us again back to Exodus. Again, back to Exodus. But this time it points us back to Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. And as we look at Exodus, Exodus uh, 20, we see in a lot of your Bibles, you'll see a title that says the Ten Commandments. Whoa. Okay, so this is the, law. This is the start of the law. This is the heavy-duty stuff. Really, our entire judicial system, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the laws that we have in the Western world kind of started. This was kind of one of the foundational starting places, the Ten Commandments. And, and so if we look at Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2, it says this. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, slavery. So we're going way back here. So Malachi, point, Malachi points to Horeb and the original call for Moses to, to uh, free the slaves, to free God's people. And then all of a sudden it also points back to this component after they were freed, when Pharaoh finally releases them and they are free from bondage, before God gives them the law, he says, remember who did this. 
I freed you from bondage. Moses was used, but it was God who freed him from, from bondage. This is the very beginning. So now we're all the way in Malachi. And we need to understand that this connects to a bigger story. All of the Old Testament leads to a greater story. But the New Testament is even a greater story. Turn with me to Matthew 26. If you're already in Malachi, it's a short trip over. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26, and scroll down to verses 17 to 19. Verses 17 to 19. Matthew 26, verse 17, it says this. On the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. The Passover. The Passover. Well, maybe you haven't been in church, you may be thinking, well, what's the Passover? Guess what we're doing? We're going way back. Because way back here, when, when the people of Israel were in slavery, and God poured out plagues, Pharaoh said, no, 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 no. And then God poured out the most terrible plague. And it was the death of the firstborn. And he told Moses to go into Pharaoh's court and says, if you do not let my people go, tonight the, the angel of death will come to every home and will take the life of every firstborn. However, you can avoid this if you take a pure spotless lamb and if you sacrifice it and you spread its blood on the doorposts of your home, the angel of death will not enter that home, but he will pass over that home. That's way back here, way back in Exodus. And so in that moment, that angel of death passed over all those who believed the words of Moses, believed that Moses was, lead, was a leader of God and said, I believe this and I'm going to follow it. And they put that lamb's blood on their doorpost. And that night, they sat quietly in remembrance that this was going to be the day that God was going to save them. And through some unleavened bread, some bitter herbs, and some wine, they sat, reflected, and understood what was taking place. And after that, Pharaoh released the people of Israel out of slavery. You see, if they hadn't have been released from slavery, the people of Israel, that, that would have been it. They're done. Their nation would have just been in slavery, perhaps got parceled off, or maybe all killed one by one, or ten by ten, and that would have been it. But the release from slavery, it endured them. It, they continued on and were blessed. And even when they were in slavery, Scripture tells us, and, and historic accounts tell us, the reason why the slaves kept getting out of hand is because the women in slavery, even though they're under slavery, malnutrition, they just 
they were fertile. And they, they continued to grow and were blessed with children above children above children. They, they just grew because God's blessing was upon them. And they're released and they go. And from this moment on, throughout time, throughout all the way to Malachi, all the way time, they take a moment and they celebrate this time called Passover where they remembered God's salvation where they remembered that moment where they put that lamb's blood on the door and the spirit of death passed over their home and that that was the moment that God, God released them. And they were released. They were free from bondage, free from slavery. And so here in Matthew 26, here's what's so amazing and and here's why it connects to the greater story. In Matthew 26, here Jesus sits down, the pure spotless lamb, perfect, fully God, fully man. He sits down and he says, prepare the Passover. I am about to celebrate the Passover with my students, with my disciples who will become the leaders of the church. And so the reason why we need to connect Malachi to Matthew is really about this table. Because too often in church world, we kind of take the bread, we take the cup, and we're like, okay, yeah, this is something that Christians do. But we need to understand that before there was communion, there was Passover. That Jesus, the final sacrificial lamb, the final lamb to be slain, moved Passover to something far greater. And so this whole series, this this series on messenger, looking to Christ's birth, looking to the birth of Messiah, we need to understand that the greater, it connects us to the greater story. And, And when we can fully understand that this entire book, beginning to end, if we can study it and we see the prophetic words, we see the connections, we see the foreshadowing that a lamb that was put on a doorpost would eventually be the eternal lamb put on a cross, And that though these people were just following God, they were doing something that would foreshadow something incredible. That it wouldn't be the release from bondage under Pharaoh, but it would be an eternal release under bondage of sin. Do we see how this is the greater story? And sometimes people will look at Christianity and they'll be like, ah, I don't, you know, you guys have your faith, yeah, big deal. No, do you understand? Like, like, let me me have an hour with you and, and let me start here and end here and you will be blown away at the connection of this greater gospel story. And too often we just focus maybe on the epistles and what our church needs to do, which is super important. But we have to go back. And so this series, when we start in Malachi, one of the amazing things about these four chapters in Malachi is almost every single five verses, he points back and points back and points back. And it's amazing that the last word God gives before he goes silent, what he does, the whole thing, he basically just points back to the entire Old Testament and says, look, people, how many different ways have I got to tell you to follow my ways? And they don't listen. So finally he says, I'm going to stay quiet for a little while. It's time to release the ultimate plan. My son, Jesus. The elders and the worship team can come forward. So if you continue on in Matthew 26... You know, we just read 13 to, uh, 13 to 17 there, or 17 to 19. And 
if you, if you continue seeing, as you go down, when you get to around verse 26, Jesus starts this first communion. And this is an amazing chapter because we get to see in Matthew the transition. This is like the moment of the old to the new covenant. And the disciples probably had no idea what was happening, what he was pointing to, what he was calling to. They knew for sure what the Passover was. And they knew for sure that, that a sacrifice in blood was the thing that got, that, that, that they received the Passover. They got that. So we, in 2016, we've got to go back there. We've got to understand that so that we can be one of the disciples sitting in that upper room that night so that when Jesus talks about, you know, what's to come, they would have got it. Okay, wait a second. This is way bigger than just the average Passover. They've grown up with this little celebration, this remembrance. And so for them, imagine them when they go to this, this cup and this bread. It's not, it's, from that moment forward, it's not just a tradition anymore. It is something significantly greater. And, you know, for those of us who have, who have Jewish friends or, or Jewish family, we can perhaps get a greater understanding because we, we, we understand some of those things. But the Old Testament is ours too. Like we talked about in early messages, earlier messages a week or two ago, we are part of Abraham's seed because of the Spirit. We cannot ignore the old and the new. And so we're going to transition that.